to let you all down. I had to let down my partner in crime, my co-host, Mr. Travis Croft. How are you, sir? How are you? I am fine and dandy. Um, intact. Um, you know, that's, that's a plus in this you day and age. You are I haven't tried to, uh, you know, leap any any cliffs this week in my car. But that said, we were comparing notes that... Um, the last time we attempted to do this show live together in the same room, mm-hmm. I drove up a very road that George had such trouble with uh, this, mo- this most um, recent week. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a biblical downpour. Like, I am not kidding. It was biblical. It is. It was genuinely, ladies and gentlemen, it was not just sort of like, oh, it's raining heavy. It was raining really heavy it was bouncing a good foot back up off the ground the wind my god that was just coming through like god literally just went you know what about 12 years ago i put fires in king lake let's try flooding it and just blowing it away this time <laughs> it's like it's like in sim city where you're like what does the fire button do what does the fire button do i feel like in, a, in maybe next year we'll just have a ufo strike here yeah. <laughs> like a locust or something <laughs> um but that was the last time i um that was the last time i i watched mm. sorry i am um, I tried to do this live, and, mm-hmm. it, and I found that one of the most terrifying drives of my life, mainly because mm-hmm. there are fairly steep drop-offs on the side of a road. So, yes. Um, you have my my infinite sympathy, uh, quite aside from the way you ended up, just from the abject, abject terror mm. of, of that situation. It goes to show it can happen to anyone. Absolutely. Um, Even a trained professional driver such exactly as myself. Right. I mean, someone who grew up, you grew up driving, I guess, in uh, roads are snowy in the UK, I guess, to some degree. No, I didn't learn to drive until I was over here. That's right. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's half of my worry about driving in North America is driving hmm. on snowy roads. Um, yeah. But it's it's we are very glad to uh, see that you survived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that seems a very crass way to put it. Um, I feel but, like that's just the kind of the borderline. Like a lot of people have been going, coming out and saying, oh, you're so lucky. You should go out and buy a lottery ticket. So like, well, no, I feel like the, the luck thing is like bad luck, car accident, good luck, survived. That probably balances out. It still feels cheap, but <laughs> I guess that balances out because otherwise it would have been far worse. <laughs> If I'd been uh, really well, unlucky. It is a very Australian thing to say. Mate, you should have bought yourself a lot of ticket, eh? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but we, we, it's, you know, I, I see in the States, like I have, I'm um, sorry, it's on YouTube. I think it's on YouTube or, or maybe my podcast. I get ads pop up. Mm. Telling, yeah, it's, it's my podcast telling people, reminding them to wear seatbelts. I'm like, I'm sorry, are you guys still in that space in the United States where you have to remind people to wear seatbelts. Seatbelts are lame, Travis. And uh, only, <laughs> only cool kids um, uh, ride the line, shall we so say. So this is what I'm going to say here is uh, wear seatbelt kids. You never know when the worst could happen. And, you know, uh, 100%. And a very mundane incident that occurred in mm-hmm. an awkward spot. Um, mm-hmm. You could you could exactly. very easily find yourself in an awkward situation. So um, Absolutely. We don't joke about road safety. But on the comical side of it, aside from being upside down, uh, smoke from the airbags being deployed, bit of fire, bit of broken glass and Shay kind of panicking beside me. The first thing that I noticed was that I had potato on my face (laughs) because I was actually heading down to do a lovely Dungeons and Dragons themed 
meal with all my friends who play D&D. And of course, that went flying everywhere and the potatoes that I had parboiled had escaped and slapped me in the face. And I'm pretty sure at some point, one of the fish that I was going to be uh, frying up um, slapped me in the face as well. So I have officially been slapped in the face by a fish. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's, you got to have a, a um, sense of humor, I think. Absolutely. Um, it got me through the first couple of days for sure. Uh, and I was actually in the neighborhood as well, which is kind of crazy. I was just down the road. Yeah. Well, you that's know, because you not... are an aspiring star. I so. did shoot a short fit, very, very short film um, uh, that it, uh, my co-host has had the lucky mm-hmm. co-host has had the privilege of seeing. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I'm sure if I, when I find out what's going to go on with the back being on display for people to see i'll let you know but um it was quite fun my my, my uh, co-host from king for a day leslie yeah, is very good with her lights and cameras and she did a wonderful job and of course i was a talent as usual. of course of course that's that's what you are that is that is your description <laughs> my role in life is to be the talent um <laughs> i was looking for a that's it i'm going to my trailer moment my trailer being my reno um <laughs> Um, but fortunately, you know, uh, Leslie is a director who knows how to control her talent and keep the talent happy. Well, that's the important thing, honestly. Speaking of happy, we have a joyous and uplifting film this week. Yeah. Your yeah. listening pleasure, this mm-hmm. week's chain movie. Uh, so the last time we um, reviewed or rewatched uh, Jordan Peele's Us, which stars the wonderful and incredibly talented Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, so following on from that, we decided I decided to go to 12 Years a Slave because I'd forgotten that I'd actually watched it. And I thought this was a good opportunity to see it. Uh, for those who don't know, let's try and keep this habit going because we did it last time. 12 Years a Slave is based on the true story of uh, Solomon Northup, um, who was essentially kidnapped and sold into slavery in pre-Civil War United States. Um, He was abducted, sold into slavery, and brutalized. And in so many disturbing ways, he was kind of ripped and uh, ripped apart to the point of he doesn't have he was told to go by a different name he was whipped he was brutalized he was whipped and brutalized until he was submitted to stop saying that he was a free man things like that and this chronicles his 12 years going from that point of kidnapping through to his <laughs> sexual re-release from hell um it's what do you what do you think of this movie? Yeah. It is a very affecting movie. Mm. I mean, the it's very effective in the sense that we really do get a sense of. Um, I actually had to look up how to say his name because I was sure I was saying it wrong. Chuatel Ejiofor, his mm. character Solomon. Um, mm-hmm. You get a real feel for the terror and horror of his situation Mm. in the sense of, at least I did, I could really feel that the idea of going from the fairly civilized and and genteel life that he experienced Mm. in New York, I think he was based in. Yeah. um, 
where with his family, his kids, almost idyllic for maybe they, I did find myself kind of going, was it really that cool? Is it really that cool for black people in, in even in the North? In you know, that yeah. I don't know. It's another story, I guess. Um, but the film basically tells us it's a, it's a wonderful life. He's got up mm. there pretty much by, at least by 19th century African-American standards. And yeah. he really, really slaps you around the face um with the horrors that 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 he endured by being Mm -hmm. kidnapped and basically enjoying life as a slave and i mean it's difficult to i don't want to say that it's it would have been harder for him than other slaves but it is a special kind of hell so those people people this is a real story by the way this Mm -hmm. actually happened it's based on the book by the guy it happened to um for those for, for those poor souls who were in, who went through that to to have a taste of what was available and to have that brutally stripped away and then yeah. be I mean I don't actually he's not explained in the film whether Solomon was ever a slave. No, um, it's not, and I wasn't sure about that. I'm I'm presuming just considering the way that his life is depicted um, in the opening of this movie, I'm presuming that he was a. A, a, you know a, a born and raised liberated african-american he did I, I because it would be that's an interesting story in its own right of someone who got, went from slavery to that level of acceptance in society that's that just that f- from what history has taught me and, and movies have shown me that didn't really happen very much it unless it was some, were active, I think there were who people who bought their freedom or or yeah, given their freedom, but yeah, I'm not. I'm certainly in no place to. to but to you know, I mean, like he, they go into the the I think like a haberdasher or a general purpose store, and they're treated with a great amount of dignity and respect and things like that. It's like this guy must have come from a position of power and or money prior. You know, he's. I, it, 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 I, there, there's nothing I know about it, so it's like okay, he's he's probably sitting pretty high on the on the echelon for the society's ladder by the looks of it. I, and I think the other part of it is that he was very educated. Mm, yeah, because right, he was. He seemed like a very educated man, mm. and you one has to wonder. I mean, we're we're making a lot of assumptions here, but one yeah. has to wonder whether or not um, somebody who was born into slavery would have ever been had the opportunity to have that level of education. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like the answer to that probably is no, but I guess we were, we don't know, I guess, whether he's ever been a slave or not. So to have had, we'll assume for the purposes of this, he wasn't. Uh, and to have had lived your entire life as a free man to be cast back into, cast into slavery would have been, as I said, I think a special kind of hell. Mm. And the film pulls absolutely no punches about that. Mm. The other part, I guess the flip side of that is, of me saying it's very effective, is I think it does reek of being Oscar bait, though. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's it's very good in what it does, but in a large part of me, it, I kind of feel like it doesn't go far enough. Um, I feel like it treads that line. It, gets, it reaches that point of... Um, <laughs> what I would kind of refer to as like the Requiem for a dream line where that is an incredible movie with a fantastic performances and things like that. But you watch it, you are 
there is not a single person who can watch that for the first time and not be affected by it and think about it and kind of be haunted by it. This movie, it's affecting as you're watching it, but I've, you know, the fact that I forgot that I'd watched it, it's like, okay, I feel like this is a very important message. This is an important person. This is uh, a valuable thing for cinema to adapt. Why am, why did I have, why did I not remember it? And rewatching it, it was like, okay. Um, yeah, it kind of feels like Oscar Beatty and it's, it doesn't kind of do quite enough in certain areas. Like going back to that, that shop scene at the beginning, there's that bit of tension and, um, brusqueness from the, uh, from the shop owner when the other black guy walks in because he's surprised seeing Solomon walk through with his fine suit and his wife and all of that stuff. And it, Solomon kind of just looks at him and doesn't really consider him. That makes me think that Solomon has never been a slave before or uh, indentured in any servitude of any kind of level. Um, and then going back to, and then going to the end you only get information about him building, uh, you know, going into being much more vocal and um, using his position to help slavery as an after effect. It's like, it doesn't, he doesn't even consider it at the start of the movie. It's like, that's an interesting poignant point. And that is, there's story to be told there, I think. But I wonder if it kind of skirts on that thing of, Oh, it's, uh, a black man with white privilege. We don't really want to tell that story now. We want to just tell, um, you know, this this very specific story. So it chooses the elements of the story it wants to tell, and it kind of feels a little, little cookie cutter in some ways. Like the 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 ma- the three main white guys that he interacts with. You've got Benedict Cumberbatch's character, who is nice, but it's almost kind of a an odd kind of he's trying to do a bit of Stockholm (laughs) Stockholm symptoms that, you know, he's, he's nice, but everyone, he knows that kind of in this place of like, yeah, I know this system kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah. And he's, he's not willing to do anything. It's kind of like, yeah, he's, he's like, Oh, well, you know, it just is the way it is. And, you know, like Mm. I, I, I will subvert the system by not being as big a prick as other people. Mm. Which you know, it, it is almost like you're talking a little bit about the what do you call them? The standard white people who make a noise about the fact that oh, I, I donated to I, I donated to Black Lives Matter, or or, or the the people um, in uh, in um, Get Out. You know, if I would have voted for Obama for a third term if I could. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> that, that that sort of style of white person who thinks that kind of um, tokenism. Yeah, that's that's is, enough. That that's that's all I can do, and by to, by being a token by that token tokenism, I'm contributing to your cause. But mm. you know, in the end, you're really just co- collaborating with the the oppressors. Yeah. And then, you know, in a way, that's kind of where Benedict Cumberbatch's character is. It's like, well, I treat you guys like I treat you guys right, so I'm I'm not as bad. I'm you know I'm I'm fighting against the system. Yeah. No. And they do, they do make a point of that um, where he's saying, oh, he's a good man. So like, he's still a slave owner. And it's like, yeah, that's absolutely, that's absolutely fair point right there that you, you, even though he, you know, the, the ruler might be gentle, he's still subverting your free will, which, 
and he knows that it's bad, but he's not doing anything about it. But it, and that kind of feels like, okay, here's one extreme. And then we get Michael Fassbender's Edwin Epps. And he is the kind of quintessential. He, he's he's the next step before you go into almost farcical levels of slave owner like Leonardo DiCaprio's re, uh, <laughs> representation in Django Unchained. He's a cruel, horrible man. Him and his wife, brilliantly played by Sarah Paulson, they hate each other. And they use that hatred and spew it onto the people that work for them and the, the brutality that they... Um, get Michael Fassbender to deliver, particularly to Lupita Nyong'o, who is, again, on point in this movie. She's astounding in this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, this is a very early film for her as well. Like, yeah. I think this is maybe the film that really got her name out there, For if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Um, but, wow, she's – and she's got a very difficult role to play in this film. Yeah, yeah. And she, she doesn't even um, – her character doesn't really say too much – audibly it's all in her silence she is really good at using that silence and expressing every single feeling and emotion without saying a single word because she her, knows this is her feature debut by the way people feature debut amazing performance and my god talk about yeah okay so this is your first film we're going to have you raped we're going to have you beaten we're going to have you brutalized physically and psychologically you are going up against some of the current high big names in theatrical hollywood of michael fassbender um and benedict cumberbatch is being produced by brad pitt and george clooney no stress. <laughs> I mean, um, wow. The uh, little piece of trivia here is before filming their more brutal scenes together, Lupita Nyong'o and Fassbender, Michael Fassbender, performed the ritual of making nice. According mm. to Nyong'o, they wouldn't say anything to each other, just look in the eye and a grasping of hands. Our character is in such opposition, but we as actors need each other in order to be able to go the distance. Mm. Um, and, yeah, like, they had to – they hit that one out of the park. They just mm. – she hadn't done much at all before this, and she just yeah. found there an, an insane talent um, yeah. in, the, in ready for this role. And as, as you sort of said, there is a lot of talent on display in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to those actors, you said they've got um, people like Scoot McNeary, who mm-hmm. will be a familiar face uh, to, to, to uh, quite a few people. Um, he was in um, the <laughs> Dawn of Justice. Yeah. Um, Paul, Paul Giamatti's in there as well. Paul Dano, who will play the uh, the Joker, sorry, the Joker, the Riddler, the Riddler, yep, the new, the new Batman movie, mm-hmm. all the way through. There are sort of fairly familiar faces in here. Um, mm. I thought Brad Pitt's role stood out like dog's balls, though, frankly, a hundred percent agree. And it was, it it just smacked of like a type of kind of producer cameo that. I don't know if we've seen in a long time. It's like, really, Brad, you're getting Brad Pitt to be a Canadian? And why? He's not exactly great with accents. Why didn't you get a Canadian? I I, I don't understand why they did it, because it was not a huge role in the movie it was a huge role in solomon's life because he is finally the the one person that gets the ball rolling for his freedom which is great it's damning that it comes from someone who's not an american (laughs) but you know 
Uh, the line in the, in the trivia section is that Brad Pitt was criticised for casting himself in a brief heroic role. Mm. Pitt claimed that he did not insist on being cast in the part and it was easier to secure funding for the picture if he was in it. That actually wow. I can kind of believe if you put Brad Pitt on the yeah. poster. Yeah, I can in believe certain, that. In certain markets mm-hmm. um, that, you know, you can say Brad Pitt's in your picture, I imagine you get extra money. Yeah. Um, though that said, I just it just didn't work for me in the sense that I didn't have a problem with any of those things. I wouldn't know what a Canadian, how different a Canadian might sound from mm-hmm. an American in the 19th century. I doubt there'd be much difference, frankly, mm. uh, especially if he's from, you know, the border region. More yeah. than the fact that it was like, oh, it's Brad Pitt. Yeah. It's, yeah. Brad, Brad Pitt. it's just so recognisable. He's like a huge megastar of an act, the biggest star in the movie by a stretch. Mm. Um, and he's playing a five-minute role, which just happens to be such a, you know, heroic role in the film. feel yeah. like maybe... What if he played one of the, the, the kidnappers at the start who was bamboozling mm. Solomon into coming to New York and taking him south? That was a very mm. small role. Yeah. And you had someone like Scoot McNary playing, the, the, the you know, or the other guy playing, just some guy, yeah. uh, you know, I'm sure you, they would have been lining up to, when you said, I've got Fassbender, Cumberbatch, and we're produced by Brad Pitt and Steve McQueen directing it. I'm sure pretty much anyone in Hollywood, I need you for two days. Yeah, I'm sure they're gonna sign. I just, yeah. you know, if you had to have Brad Pitt in it, I don't think that was the role for him. Yeah, and while it doesn't detract from the film overall to me, it does pull you out of the picture. Mm. Agreed, mega star. And Agreed. he looks like Brad Pitt, you know, he looked, you know, it just, it, it you know, you need to bury someone like that into a film, mm. really. That's why I agree with your idea that, you know, him being one of the kidnappers would have been perfect because he is such a likable guy. He's endearing. He's charming. He is beguiling. And that would fit that kidnapper role with that dark undertone as well. And it's uh, just a little bit, but it's an inciting incident that would have been, I think that would have been smarter, but, you know, it's still did very very well thankfully it did very well i kind of look at it my my big thing for it is i feel like this probably to get the story really right and to go as deep and as genuine as i kind of wish that it did i think it needed to um be a mini series instead they need a bit more time to invest in those things and just bring out those characters a little bit more because some of the characters do feel kind of rushed and it's like okay this is the next horrible stage there was a little bit of kind of flick book of a man's life to it it's like it's true i mean we've talked about it before if you're going to make a mm. great biopic you know talked about about fast in the steve jobs film yeah you pick three vignettes important moments mm. in life. And let's tell the story about these three moments you can't if you tell sometimes if you take on too broad a sway of someone's life you end up mm. as you know just Flashing past, flashing past very important moments. You try to squeeze too much into two, two and a half hours. Yeah. Um. I, I should note, I, we've talked about this. It was brutal. You, you gave a great synopsis of what happens to Lupita Nyong'o's character is, and as you sort of said, Michael Fassbender's character is particularly brutal. Mm. Um. However, I must say, this is actually a reasonably good film to watch in the sense that it still manages, to me, to be fairly entertaining and engaging. Yes, absolutely. And I think a huge portion of that goes on Chiwetel Ejiofor's shoulders. He is so good in this role. He is incredibly likable throughout the whole thing. He he wears his emotion in his eyes and the 
the fact that he, you see him kind of holding back this rage so often and this wailing sorrow that he chastises another one of the slaves for um he he delivered the performance of a lifetime and it's interesting i think they apparently he passed on this originally oh, okay and they said come on man this is gonna be performance of a lifetime <laughs> just exactly what you just said uh and i think he uh, maybe was a little unlucky to land in a in a tough year when it comes. He got nominated for best actor this year, mm-hmm. 2014. He'd lost to Matthew McConaughey for the Dallas Buyers Club, which Matthew McConaughey was very, very good in that. Yeah, yeah, and that's a tough one. Leo DiCaprio was in Wolf of Wall Street that year, which was again very, very mm-hmm. good. He was up also in there. You had Christian Bale for American Hustle, a film I hate, um, <laughs> and Bruce Dern for Nebraska, a film I've never seen. Um, mm-hmm. And Michael Fassbender was up for Best Supporting Actor and didn't win it. Uh, he lost it to Dallas Buyers Club again. Jared Leto again, who was fucking brilliant in Dallas Buyers mm-hmm. Club. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Lupita, of course, did win for Best Supporting Actress, which is at least some consolation. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve McQueen lost to Alfonso Cuaron. I'm pronouncing it wrong. Um, for Gravity. Gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't like gravity, but we'll go into that some other time. But they, I, I know people who don't like it mainly for scientific reasons. And they're like, <laughs> well, that wouldn't actually happen in real life. Uh, yeah, the, um, the Neil deGrasse Tyson defense. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed it nonetheless. But so this did win Best Picture, though. So, That's good. Uh, that That's is good. Uh, a Best Supporting Actress and Best Writing Adapted Screenplay for John Ridley. Mm. But it's... It's quality, and it it reeks of quality. You know, with the, the high profile prestige actors, and the, it looks good. Um, I, I like the way it was shot. Yeah. The way that this it, it looks different when you're in the south. Uh, to be yeah. like when you know when you're in Mexico, everything has like a brown um, a brown filter on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it, true. It, uh, you know, um, so it looks good. Um, uh, you're right. You made a good point about Chiwetel Ejiofor. Ejiofor. Um, but I actually would just cringe at those moments where he couldn't contain himself anymore mm. and he would lash out. The moment where he lashed out, spoilers, um, <laughs> he lashed out at Paul Dano and beat the shit out yeah. of him. On the one hand, was incredibly satisfying, but other times you're like, oh, he's going to pay for that. Yeah, I, I was... It, it was that wonderful position of feeling that gratification that, yes, you are getting your fucking getting your licks in good good but at the same time it's like you are you are fucking yourself over oh shit that's that's not gonna go un unrewarded that's really bad um as a note on paul dano he is great at being a cunt (laughs) he really does he was he was wonderfully awful in this and i um i I found myself going when i when he cast as a riddler you're like i don't really know who that is um you know he's you gonna be at, good you look at his picture and you're like oh yeah he's been in stuff yeah but i'm not really sure what he um, is, he's gonna looking, be good you see him in this you're like oh no he can play he can play an asshole mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and i would like to point out steve mcqueen the director of this he has done many 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 short films this is actually his third feature film behind 2011's shame and 2008's hunger wow he's, he's he's a talent that's for sure yeah um i'll be very curious he's done a mini series this year which i don't know if that's being released in australia or not but um 
Um, he's British, I think. Maybe is he British? He's um, British. Yeah. He's, um, so um, I'll be very curious to see what he comes up with next because yeah, um, he's he's a, he's a talent for sure, a definite talent. Um, and fortunately, I guess it's representations improving in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, uh, for all the right reasons, it's a mm-hmm. good time to be a, a person of color mm-hmm. who is in extraordinarily talented and makes successful films. Yeah. Yeah. And he is um, yeah, just looking at his next um, uh, credit for the director. It's a documentary called The Occupied City. It's a documentary about Amsterdam under Nazi occupation during World War Two. So it seems like he much like director of last thing at Jordan Peele, he's got a message that he wants to put forward and present. What's the matter, Archimedes? Shut up. Archimedes disagrees. Um. <laughs> all right, all right. Shut up. Um, so, yeah, I think that he is someone who is, he's kind of cut his teeth on um, like Mark Romanek style, kind of he's done a lot of short films and music videos and now he's kind of, cherry picking a couple of projects here and there apparently steve mcqueen um has been really keen on getting the story of solomon northup out there and he was a great opportunity for him there's there's some interesting talents growing and coming through i just don't see enough of anymore he is a talented director and he still largely works in music videos yeah yeah. Uh, that's another story, but I am a big fan mm-hmm. of Mark Romanek. He needs to get more work, Hollywood. But I would be I, I would be curious to see that documentary. It's an odd choice for a mm. an Academy Award winning, you know, Academy Award winning winning yeah. uh, motion picture director to be making a documentary about uh, Amsterdam during the war. I mean, I can see making a film about it, right? Like yeah. cast Brad Pitt and George Clooney in it and have spies and shit. Like, you know, <laughs> everybody wants to see fucking that, but like a documentary. Yeah. No one sees them except me. Well, um, to, to be fair, you know, Martin Scorsese, Oscar winner. He directed the um, Rolling Stones doco. He, he, kind of, he, he started out, he directed the Woodstock documentary. Yeah. Uh, um, but we're, we're going off on a tangent. Ladies yeah. yeah. But I, I, I would say, I think I can see your criticism of the film. I think they're valid. Um, I, 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 it's not a perfect thing, but I think it's, it's still pretty good. Oh, no, don't, don't get me wrong. This is a great film. Um, this is a really, really strong film. Um, and I think it's an important film to watch, but, um, I also, there's just that part of me is like, oh, I would have liked it to be that little bit more in depth because it's a fascinating story and I want to know more of it. And, I just felt like it, it suffered from that typical kind of biography thing we talked about before, where it's like not quite enough time spent. So things feel a bit rushed or jumping from one spot to another. It's like, Oh, come on. I was, I was really enjoying that element. I wanted to kind of experience more of that. And you know, it, it was just, just the standard standard issue with, with doing this kind of movie, which, you know, I, I can't really be a critic for, cause I have not done it. <laughs> No, but um, you know, there's no reason why we can't be uh, so, uh Monday morning quarterbacks and you sort of pick. We it. are armchair producers. <laughs> could you could you have you know instead of being slaves, could they have been race car drivers? And mm. instead of slaves, could they have been driving fighting a giant mechanical spider? Could they have 
maybe cast The Rock in it and Vin Diesel. And could we have just made this Fast and Furious 12? Could we have done that? <laughs> could they have gone back in time to the 1850s? Could we do that? I think we could. They save an extra space. We're going to pick something new. I think it's my turn. It is your turn. It is your uh, turn. And I'm going to take a, a fairly obvious choice. There were so many pick to pick from. I was super, super tempted to follow Scoop McNary to Dawn of Justice, but <laughs> I don't want to have to watch that again. You'd enjoy that too much. I would um, enjoy that. And I was tempted just so I could go back and watch the director's cut because people say <laughs> that improves it. Um, and I am curious because we've got um, Justice League of Snydercut coming out next year. Mm-hmm. And we've got uh, Wonder um, Woman coming out Christmas Day. And, and apparently reviews are in, and apparently it's all right. Mm-hmm. Um where are you taking us next, Travis? Where? I am going to follow, however, not Scoop McNary, but Stephen McQueen, the director, and oh. I'm going to go with his most recent feature film, Widows. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it. I'm picking things I haven't seen here, and apparently it's very good. It's okay. uh, what I've heard. Okay. All right. Let's have a look. Or a Metacritic. Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Leather, uh, Elizabeth Debicki, Liam Neeson. It wow, does Farrell, you've got plenty of places you can take us. Yeah, there's there's some talent in this one, isn't there? Goodness me. Oh, it's um, based off a screenplay by Julian Flynn. Okay. Uh, Julian Flynn, um, most recently, uh, she was the writer behind Gone Girl. Which I liked. Mm. Um, so, look, it's got a 6.9 on IMDb. It's his audience score, I guess you'd say. The, mm-hmm. the Metascore of 84 says as the critics liked it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a big rap. It's a female-centric cast. And mm-hmm. everyone apparently thinks we're misogynists because we didn't like Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> I have had people tell me that. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, you're one of those um, handmaiden men because you didn't like Ghostbusters. I'm like, oh, sorry. Comedies are supposed to have jokes. They yeah. But that's another story. Um, <laughs> if you're ranting about Ghostbusters, there's plenty of back episodes you can do that in. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is supposed to be good. So mm. one way to find out. The um, blurb from 20th Century Fox is four women with nothing in common except a debt left behind by their dead husband's criminal activities take fate into their own hands and conspire to forge a future on their own terms. Kind of reminds me of... Um... The, the plot reminds me of the, the kitchen. Yeah, the, I was going to say. The Bullock film that came out last year, Sandra Bullock. Um, Melissa uh, McCartney as well? Yeah, it was Melissa McCarthy. No, not yeah. Tiffany Haddish and Melissa McCarthy. Uh, I saw that on a cruise ship. Uh, and it wasn't good. It was <laughs> not good at all. So uh, that's the wives of New York gangsters in Hell's Kitchen in the 70s continue to operate their husbands' rackets after they're locked up in prison. Mm. And it's a DC film, um, so they, they're going to be in the Snyder Cut as well. Uh, Don't say bad things. Um, so, no, it's similar to the standing plot, but apparently this one's good. Mm. Cool. All right, well, I look forward to that for next week's show. Uh, uh, we, 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 and I'm sure it'll be hopefully on one of the uh, – it's on Prime. Yes. If you're in Australia, and you can rent it in all the places. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Prime, I did spot a little thing from Amazon Prime. They are going to be the ones over here streaming The Stand um, January 15th, I think January, it is. I'm not going to wait till January. It premieres next week in the States. I'm watching it. 
Well, that's because you are one of those criminal types that I hear about on the news. I, I, I don't think I'm a criminal. I pay for your service. <laughs> right? you know, I expect to watch it when it airs in the States. And if, if someone decides to sit on it, like, well, that's their problem, not mine. Mm-hmm. No, it premieres tomorrow in the States. Yep. And, and you better believe I'm not, I am so psyched to see this. I, I am looking forward to it. I'm I think I, I'm, my hopes are high. My hopes are high. It looks good. The trailer looks good. Let's hope it. Uh, the, the reviews that have crept out have been positive. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. I haven't read many of them, mm. but the I just sort of read the synopsis. And go, it's good. It's good. All right. Uh, now. What else have you been up to in the last fortnight? You've, you've, you've been bumming around on mm. your couch. Getting a beer belly. Pretty much. So I decided to try and um, go a bit of an unusual route. Last year, Lupita Nyong'o was the headline star of a comedy horror sci-fi, according to IMDb, movie uh, called Little Monsters that um, co- uh, co-starred Josh Gad, um, Alexander England, Cat uh, Stewart, and uh, no one else that I really know of. And it's a washed-up musician, teams up with a teacher, and a kid's show personality to protect young children from a sudden outbreak of zombies. I thought, oh, okay. There's a lot of things in there that uh, tick a few boxes for me. Friend, where are you watching this? Uh, this is on Prime Video, and um, I started watching it. And Alexander England is deplorable. He's horrible. He's a terrible person. And for the first, I think maybe five or six minutes, solid, it is nothing but him arguing with his girlfriend just all over the place it's it's a montage series of them just constantly arguing boom 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 you intercut with some moments of him busking on the street getting told to move along by the police and he looks like a complete he's a complete and utter waster and it's not until maybe 10 minutes into it that lupita's character makes an appearance and that was when i clocked off because I, it was just awful. It was absolutely awful. Um, Alexander England is just an utterly... I don't know if he's fucking brilliant at being a horrible, entirely unlikable guy, or if it's just that bad. I couldn't get through it. And as soon as Lupita came in, it's like, okay... Sorry, no. <laughs> I, I just th- there's not been a single funny bit in this yet. There's it's it it's just insulting my time and my ears, and yeah. So it was. I do not recommend watching it because it was in the first ten minutes. There was not a joke. There was an attempt at a joke, and it was not funny. Um, and it, it, come on. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, it's it's not that difficult to make a comedy horror movie with zombies in it. And I would say no, no, I would agree. Yeah, I I just don't understand. Like you look at pos- one of the one of the gold standards for zombie comedy, Shaun of the Dead. 
that's got a guy who is a slacker. He is minimum effort constantly. He's ge still generally a likable guy, but you kind of go, okay, I can see why she's breaking up with him. And I can see that, but there's still comedy throughout it. And it's crass. There, there's elements of it that are crass. Like um, Nick's character just goes, can I get any of you cunts another drink? I was like, yep, that's it. And, and they, 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 it looks like they kind of try to do something along those lines in little monsters, but it just doesn't work. It's not funny. The energy is not there. It, it, it just feels like a terrible knockoff. And it just kept on making me think, I wish I was watching the Fred Savage little monsters instead, <laughs> because that's Howie Mandel, possibly at his best, in my opinion. Fred Savage, it's a great little this little This is not number. an encouraging review, and unfortunately the writer and director is an Australian. Yeah, um, Alexander England has got one of those very, very overt Australian accents. I don't and, even know who he is. Yeah, it's, it's just so garish. You know, there are some voices, I'm sure that there are people out there who are like, yeah, like yours, that are just annoying to listen to. This is really bad. This is really bad. Oh, okay. He's been in a few different things. He was in, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I still don't know who he is. But he was in Gods of Egypt, so he picks his projects pretty well. Mm. Uh, Alien Covenant. It's, you know, it's, it's all quality all the time. Yeah. Um, he was in Offspring, which is a very popular Australian soap opera. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would, I, I, there was... I think there was maybe 30 seconds of Josh Gad um, with his uh, TV personality on the TV. And it was quintessential TV personality on TV played by someone who's actually kind of funny. Um, but I didn't get a chance to actually see his character in the world of little monsters. So I don't know how good he is in it or how bad. I don't know anything about Lupita's. It was just this, 10 minute onslaught of alexander england is like no just no absolutely not pass on yeah that, that is a very hard pass unless you really really want to not like yourself for an you hour and a half or however josh long. Gad. you didn't even mention how awful he must have been because he's josh gad i kind of find josh gad funny in certain t certain times in in small doses like he he can be funny as like um and like the other guy if it's heavy on Josh Gad no it's one of the things that I liked about um the American version of um the Book of Mormon you know it's it's all geared kind of looking as like oh it's it's um uh, Elder Price is the the main character but Josh Gad's character is is a subsequent and he does really well at that when you get more Josh Gad, that's usually instantly too much Josh Gad. He was, yeah, he's not to my taste, but um. yeah, yeah. So that was my, uh, my, uh, my short thing that I watched. The other thing that I actually watched all the way through was Illuminations adaptation of The Grinch. And this is currently on Netflix. Um, Illumination are the people behind Despicable Me, the Minions okay, movies. Not the Jim Carrey one, to be clear. Correct. This is voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, but 
you don't really hear his voice too often. He's putting more of an American, a general American accent on. Um, and as Shay repeatedly pointed out, it's, it, it diverts from the classic Grinch story quite a lot and puts a lot of things in and he's a much more likable Grinch, all things considered. Um, but all in all, it's, it's not bad if, if you, if you've got kids or if you want something on whilst to entertain the kids at a, a Christmas party that you're having or something like that, it is absolutely fine. It has got some jokes in it that are okay. Um, there's nothing. It's certainly not uh, like a Disney quality thing. It's not even illumination at their best when they're like doing despicable me Two or something, which isn't exactly a high bar. Um, this is entirely safe Hollywood animated movie fair much like their um, adaptation of the Lorax. And I think they were the ones who did Sing and Minions and uh, The Secret Life of Pets. They are very middling. Um, but, you know, it's great for kids. Absolutely great for kids. <laughs> Why did you watch it then? Well, getting to the real Christmas, the Christmas movie that I watched, and it is arguably the best Christmas movie Arguably, um, there is, it could be shared with Scrooged. This Die is the Hard? Muppets Muppets Christmas Carol. Uh, I thought you were going to say Die Hard. No, although that okay, is... Muppets Die Hard, I would watch. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. Who would play Alan Rickman? Would it be um, Sam the Eagle? That would be fantastic. <gasps> yes. And... <laughs> <laughs> Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. You be kind of motherfucker. I would suggest bringing some sulfurs in here because otherwise it's going to get pretty bad for the woman who's pregnant. <laughs> this is great. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So you got to get, get that casting right. But there we go. Someone will do that. Someone should do it. And I know exactly who would probably want to do it. It would be a combination of um, Jason Segal from, uh, who did the, the, the Muppet movie um, a few years ago. And because of the diehard element, it would be the guy that I've been kind of obsessed with for the last few shows, Andy Samberg. He loves diehard. He's the, co the comedy would pair nicely between Die Hard and Muppets. I think they could actually do something quite good. <laughs> I would just, yeah, I would just love it if um, maybe, um, maybe Baker was the uh, chauffeur in the car or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I forget the character's name, but yeah, it'd be, it's, it just works. You can oh, do God. anything with a Muppets and it would be funny, frankly, but I mean, yeah. I think Die Hard Muppets would be great. Mm. Anyway, so like, Muppet Christmas Carol. Muppet Christmas Carol. This was done in 1992, and I think it was um, the last movie that Jim Henson had any um, involvement in before he died. Um, it's uh, no, uh, oh, maybe not. I don't know. It's directed by his son Brian Henson, and it stars co-stars Michael Caine as Scrooge because obviously the Muppets are the stars. Um, it is wonderful. And it was one of the one of those movies that I always watched growing up as a kid around Christmas time, and um, it's one of my mum's favourite movies. And there's just subtle early CGI work in it that is still 
good today. It's looking dated, but it's still subtle, intelligent use of it. The fact that they have all the Muppets in it, they use a lot of real sets, real sequences. It means that this has got that quintessential Muppets look, and it's timeless. Um, all of the characters are wonderful. It is heartfelt. It is really sad. It is brilliant seeing um, Miss Piggy as uh, Mrs. Cratchit and being this typical, oh, I'm going to oh, come here, Kermie, and just want to fight everyone. And then having these moments where she's actually really sad and is like, Miss Piggy's making me cry. Stop this. <laughs> I'm not supposed to feel emotions. Yeah. They're a puppet, damn it. But they make me feel things that make me feel awkward. Um, it's it's just really really well done it um it takes a couple of liberties with uh with the the christmas carol story of course it does it's fucking muppets but it does it in a nice heartfelt way that it is in keeping with the rest of the story and keeping it with that kind of pg element there are uh kind of there's jokes in it that are that I like to think of the, the 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 Pixar kind of level where it's it's kid funny, but then it, f- further you look into it, it's like, oh, well, that's that's actually really it's dark comedy. Sort of winks and nods at the audience, going, you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly, and it's it's just one of those great Christmas movies that you can't help but sing along to the songs when you know them, and I know them, and they've been in my head all the last week and a half that since I've watched it is Muppets. You can't say bad things about Muppets. I'm sorry. You can't. It's just not allowed. I think this might be the last great Muppets movie ever made. I'm sorry. I didn't like the modern reboot that um, Jason Siegel did. And that had uh, the uh, guy from the flight of a Concord won the Oscar for the song. Uh, oh, yeah. it, maybe it's just because I'm older now and they just don't really appeal to me on the level that it did a little bit back in when I was still young enough to really kind of, Feel um, things. <laughs> yeah, before I was dead inside. Um, you know, um, <laughs> so you know, like, uh, but like, I, I didn't enjoy that. But I know a lot of people did. So, and I'm mm. glad for young folks they're still making these types of films for them to enjoy. Um, but my I, I my get- sadness for the Muppets movies is the fact that Disney owns them, and I just don't really like giving Disney my money anymore. <laughs> And they like own a lot of things. Yeah. Like, you think back now and you kind of go, I remember when they bought Star Wars, we're all like, this doesn't feel like a good thing. And like, mm. yeah, there you go, Star Wars. But like, mm-hmm. um, they did pretty well for Marvel films. So they were all pretty hopeful about that. And then, you know, what was that, 10 years ago or so? Now you're like, oh, yeah. so well. Mm-hmm. But they're still doing well on the Marvel front. So, um, and you know what that actually gives us because I've, I've been ripping through a few things. Um, my last little talking point before I shut up and Travis actually has intelligent things to talk about is obviously over the last week and a half, we had Disney just bombard every social media channel with all of their movies and TV shows and things like that that are going to be coming to Disney Plus. And my God, are they determined to bury Star Wars into the ground? My God, that's so much Star I, Wars. Yeah, they don't. I was kind of like, I mean, with The Mandalorian, I haven't been watching season two because I don't have Disney Plus. Mm. Um, and I don't really want to pay for it. Um, maybe I'll get it for a week or something on a free trial when the season two is finished and, mm. and smash it and then cancel because I don't want to pay for it. But um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Mandalorian's doing great things. Everybody keeps saying that this new season's good, and mm-hmm. it's kind of the, 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 the saving grace of, of Star Wars at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I kind of, I mean, you first we had the, the Leslie Headland show, which everybody knew was coming, and I'm conflicted on this because I really liked Russian Doll. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, this is coming from the Kathleen Kennedy side. It's, it's like it's like Game of Thrones, this fucking Lucasfilm. Um, and it, the Kathleen Kennedy side, I don't think really likes the uh, um, his name, the guy who's doing the Mandalorian, uh, John Favreau. Yeah, side of things, they don't necessarily see the eye to eye from what I hear. Yeah, and anything coming out of the Kathleen Kennedy side of Star Wars right now has an instant question mark next to it, and he considered very suspicious because. She was responsible for the god awful sequel trilogy, which, depending on who you talk to, Disney are trying to find a way to bury and reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and apparently, she did this apparently without actual word on the street. She did it without consulting Disney management. She just went out and gave and announced that Hebden was doing this. And apparently, Disney management weren't too clean on that. And now we've got the, the, the Patty Jenkins film, the, the film, I think, the, the Rogue Yeah, the Rogue film. Squadron thing. Yeah. You're like, I guess. Apparently, you've still got the Obi-Wan show coming. Yep. You and McGregor's involved, so I'm mm-hmm. quietly interested in that. Um, but you're right. It's like, did you not learn anything last time? Have you not learned? You know, if, if I think one of the things that made Star Wars special was that they weren't wasn't much of it. Yeah, it was there was it was piecemeal it, bits that we got through, but they were top quality. And I I still think, like going back to my um, playthrough of uh, Star Wars: Fallen Fallen Order, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, um, I haven't gone back to that at all because it was so middling, so average. Respawn Entertainment did a much better game um, with Titanfall Two, um, using similar mechanics that were just more fun in that game, and it's like, okay, I get why people say this is amazing because comparatively to what we've been getting, yeah, it is. But that bar was so low, and I just I haven't watched much more of the Mandalorian since I think I've watched like three or four episodes of the first season. I'm like, okay, they're just not making this for me anymore. I think Enjoy. season one it's worth finishing season one because it is good, and each episode is different. Mm. For better for worse, mm. they've gone off and they've tried to do something different with every episode, which I, I liked. Mm. Yeah, there's a, there's a prison break episode. There's the, the samurai episode. There's a gangster. Like it's mm. each episode has a different feel to it, which mm. keeps it fresh. Mm. Um, so I would encourage you at some point to go back and try and struggle mm. through the rest of the season because there's good stuff in there. But you're right. Um, who are they making these films for? I think the obvious answer to that is just how big it went on social media when. Uh, Rosario Dawson, spoilers, ladies and gentlemen, um, cameoed as Ahsoka, who is one of the most beloved characters from the um, animated show uh, Star Wars Civil Civil War, I think it is. Um, And that's a character I don't really know fuck all about, but it's clear that's who they're making this uh, for, the generation who grew up with the uh, Clone Wars. That's it, Clone Wars. And it's like, okay, yep. That's a that's that's the generation divide, I guess. That's uh, yep. That doesn't include me. That was. I I heard that it was really good, and I watched. I think the first season is like okay, this isn't bad. I don't really like the animation style, but the story's okay. 
But even then, it's like, mm. it's still Anakin and Ahsoka in season one is quite annoying. And that was purposefully designed. And then they apparently they change it for the later seasons and stuff. And she becomes a really, really interesting character. But that's a lot of content for me to fight through to get to the good stuff. Okay, they're they're obviously they're just not making it for me. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, there's there's a lot of talent I involved. Don't know who they made it. It's like, uh, yeah, a lot of talent involved in the sequel mm-hmm. trilogy. Uh, Ryan Johnson's an incredible writer director. It was exactly the wrong mm-hmm. place for him to be. Um, uh, you know, uh, Oscar Isaac's a mm-hmm. fantastic actor. I think he was given zero to do with the character after mm-hmm. The Force Awakens. Um, Daisy Ridley, I think, yeah. is wonderful, actually. And she got ridden into the ground, and unfortunately for her, I don't know if she's going to recover mm-hmm. from that exactly. Um, it's full of great, you know, uh, Donald Grayson. He's, I, think he's a, I think he's actually yeah. very good in, in, in a lot of things, and he wasn't given a lot to do, and his, you know, his arc well, was yeah, pathetic. The, the, thing, um, the, the, the key thing is no one was really given much to do. <laughs> This is true. It was, it was exactly, and you, you just you can have all the talent mm. in the world, and if you don't have the writers mm. on board, um, John Boyega, I think, is the biggest tragedy of all. I think he's an amazing actor, and I was so excited to see what happened to Finn after mm. the Force Awakens. And as you said, no one was given any real actual mm. arc or anything to do. So, um, you know, it, it was. It, it was tragic, and uh, I don't care how much talent's involved mm. in their new shit. I think anything that comes with Kathleen Kennedy's name on it, uh, out of her, it's mm. all going to have her name on it. But anything with her, her imprimatur, anything that came mm. out of her wing uh, of, of of Lucasfilm has to be incredibly suspect because she's an actress. She's, got, she's not got a good track record. Um, she's not a good track not record. Wars, but I feel anyway. like she's – I mean, I, I – mean, I, since Lucas left, I mean, I don't want to be, you know, um, I mean, it's interesting now that people are, was this revisionist movement for the prequels. Like, oh, they really weren't that bad. Yeah, they were. No, they were. But Disney just sort of said, yep. we can do worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just, like, I think it, she has this activist streak in her that, that these films need to be, have this mm. work angle weaved into them to a degree. And now I'm not saying because they've got women they necessarily at work. Absolutely not. I, I, like I said, I just said Daisy Ridley was great. Really excited to see what they did with Ray. There is nothing wrong with having those messages and, and things like that, but they've got to be delivered well. Otherwise, they feel Subtle. fucking terrible, and it makes the movie bad. It makes the message bad. It needs to be skillfully yes. woven into – you're making a space opera. It doesn't exactly yeah. fit quickly nicely. You have your woke politics yeah. in there. Like – Fine, you want to send a message in a Star Wars film? Yeah. I think it's great. You, that takes in a lot of talent. And I'm sorry, J.J. Abrams is not a, a message no, filmmaker. Not. He makes blockbusters. Blockbusters. You, you, I mean, I don't know that Ryan is either. I mean, maybe you might know better than me if he's sticking messages not and really. stuff. But, he makes entertaining know, movies. Um, maybe. You know who, like, fucking get yeah. Spike Lee. Get Spike Lee. He does message films great. Who wouldn't want to see a that would actually be Star really Wars cool. movie? I would fucking see. see now that's that's that leads me to my other point of this whole Disney Disney Plus dump. Um, you know they've put a lot of stuff on there, and there's a lot of shows on there that I'm sure that there are people kind of going, "Oh, 
I can't believe they're not doing a movie of that. Or why is there, because there are some movies being released on Disney Plus. Like, why isn't that getting a cinema release? And this happened in this, the same fortnight that Warner Brothers got raked over the coals because they're dumping all of their 2021 movies simultaneously on HBO, uh, HBO Max. And part of me understands why they did that because they're still not sure how often uh, how much of cinema is going to be open and they've invested all this money they're trying to get it into a failing streaming service it is not a good streaming service hbo max it has not got enough content on it and this is them trying to recover um they should have had conversations with the directors and people involved in these movies before dumping it on there but why is it okay on one side not okay on the other that's that's my thing here and I think it's just because one of them is called Disney. I guess it's because the stuff that I'm assuming is stuff that's going on Disney Plus was made for Disney Plus. But come on. I'm sure they, it I mean, wouldn't I, be I, that. I, if, if, it, if we hadn't have had COVID, I'm sure that the uh, if, if the Ahsoka thing is a movie, that would have been in because Rosario Dawson is an established actress. She's not the biggest star in Hollywood, but she is a established, good quality actress. And she... I'm assuming that, that this is a fairly recent idea to make this series. I, I genuinely don't know. I'm assuming. I don't. I yeah. haven't read a whole lot about it because I genuinely don't give a shit about any of the Star Wars news I read. Really <laughs> yeah, I just, just don't care. I, I'll watch it when it comes out because I'm curious, but I have zero expectations. Mm. Um, I'm assuming my it, it's fairly recent news. I'm guessing they actually, when they went to someone like the, the, the producers of this product, they said we're going to make it for Disney Plus. If it was if it was greenlit at any point in the last six months, there had to be a conversation that it was going straight to streaming. Whereas, mm. you know, the Patty Jenkinses of the world, that thing's been sitting in the can for probably the better part of a year now. Mm. Um, so they could rightly say, "Hey, I had no idea. I made this for cinemas." I mean, I know Nolan's piping up about it, but he's he's his film kind of caused this. Because no one went and saw it. Yeah. That's not necessarily his fault, but it is yeah. his fault that it's not a good. It's not good to watch. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, I look honestly, precious, precious filmmakers. Mm. I, I can. There's an argument. This will be the death cinema. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. That I mean, in the states, it could be a a, a blow to cinema. Cinema might take yes. a long time to recover. I don't think that at home streaming is. Is a substitute personally for no, no matter I, I don't have a great setup here, but I mean it's sitting in the dark with strangers is a special experience, and I don't think yeah yeah any home setup can possibly replicate that. It's the, it's exactly the, it, it's the same argument as um, people who still listen to vinyl records and things like that. That it's it becomes a boutique experience that people pay premium money for to get that we're probably gonna. I, I feel like cinema screens are going to either become more that that exclusive deluxe package where they've got the reclining seats and the the seat service and maybe they're going to try and push first like oh it's better quality food and drink that we're offering so that we can charge more of a premium to cover the cost because we're not showing as much or we're not um we're not putting as many people into the screens because we don't want empty screens it's going to evolve um there will be cinema houses that will shut down because there are so many and I think it's more. To the, I think it's more to it than. I think you're right. I think the boutique offering. I mean, we've kind of seen that here already. 
Yeah. And we get the lousy, I mean, I would not pay extra for group. For, we've talked before about the, the, yeah. the lousy quality of things you buy at, at Gold Class and La Premiere mm-hmm. here in Australia for big chains. But I assume they're offering something similar in the States. But yeah, it's an event. It's a going out thing. Like we've talked about it before. Like yeah. when you roll up at the movies and you, you see the three-hour Blade Runner remake or the 90-minute Fast and Furious 722, you're gonna go, you know, like that's when people they take they go on dates to movies, they go with friends yes. to movies. It's a it's a social thing in a way. Yeah. Going out thing. So I think it's going to survive, but I think you're right, it will be harder. Cinemas mm. in the States in particular will close because they're being fucking stupid about this whole thing and they won't, mm-hmm. you know, wear masks and things. I'm sorry, American friends, do stay safe, mm-hmm. but you're you have some very silly people sharing the country with you. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's going to be, we've talked about it before on a show here about the lack of product, well, how that's going to flow through to the Australian market. Like, you know, it's going to be a whole lot of direct showing at Australian cinemas over the next year. Oh, it's going it, And it, it's not, not just, but that's the thing, it's not even, uh, not just street, um, the cinemas that are going to be doing lots of reruns of old movies and those cheap tacky movies that, previously would not have got a cinema release they are going to be picked up um but streaming services as well we're already feeling that effect so like oh i want something new to watch but nothing's been released nothing's new the stand is kind of the biggest new thing coming out and they still haven't got worldwide day one distribution which is insane to me it's because streaming is not a new thing anymore it's it's dumb, and they just keep doing it here. Like they just keep doing it, and you know, like I said, I'm not I'm not going to wait. It's going to be pirated yeah. to hell and back. Yeah. Um, and I don't understand. I do not understand why they're doing it, other than maybe I don't know who who's reducing it in the states. Um, like they didn't want to pay extra. Maybe it costs extra to do day one streaming in Australia, mm. which completely dilutes it. Mm. Um, but I mean, like I guess it's probably a fair chunk of people who will be unlike me who aren't sitting there gagging for watch it, he'll just go, oh, the stand, Stephen King, I know that, yeah. and they'll watch it because we'll be all yeah. on holidays in January. Yeah. Well, some people it, will. I'll be back to it's, work. Yeah, a lot of Australians take the, – the, I used to drive 90 minutes to work every day. January yeah. was glorious because not the vast majority of Australians seem to take a lot of leave in January, and mm-hmm. a 90-minute trip took 60 in nice. January. Nice. So I think that's, just, that's my scientific – measurement of how many people <laughs> that's in january was it like this is glorious but it's gonna end soon um so but i i'm with you i don't understand why they do it now i mean day one cinema releases is a slightly different thing mm-hmm. but it's on a streaming service as yeah. soon as it's on a streaming service overseas and it's being straight it's going like straight to streaming overseas mm. it'll be online in, a, in you know in an hour of finishing so yeah you know, exactly why, why why would you not let me i i've paid for your service i would like we do our very best to watch everything legally, but if you ask me to wait a month for a show I would like to have been gagging for for years, mm-hmm. you're not doing it. Sorry, mm-hmm. change your business model. Yeah, I, I genuinely don't understand the business mode of it. Was it like, oh, the American um, uh, syndications that yeah they they need um, uh, thirty days of exclusivity or whatever. It's like why? It's a different market. It's the other side of the world. You have a different contract for those. If it gets, it's gonna get fucking copied and pirated wherever you put it out. So what does it matter? It does not matter. It doesn't make any sense to me why you'd wait a full month for something so high profile. 
Yeah. It's going to be all over social media. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't get it. There'll be at least two or three. I mean, it's going to be two or three episodes behind the States. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I mean, no. if it was maybe on Foxtel first, then yeah. coming to Prime a week or two later, that would be odd. But, yeah. you know, um, maybe that might make a little bit more sense. It's a big deal for Foxtel, yeah. our, our main um, cable service to do it. But I, I just, I'm just going to completely yeah. subvert the whole thing and, and I'll torrent it. Sorry. Yeah. I paid for four services. Yeah. For Hollywood, that's enough. You get your money. Yep. Don't let me wait a month. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, we have um, deviated for more than enough there. Travis, what have you been filling your time with? Um, well, i got a couple of things to talk about, and, and I actually was telling you at the start of a show, I actually was quite proud of myself last week for a change. I had stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Watching things. Uh, and then I over the last week, I've promptly forgotten most of them. But <laughs> um, that's how memorable they were. But I have been watching the first couple episodes of a new series that's being heavily advertised in Australia. is a Showtime series overseas. Being shown on Stan here in Australia is Your Honor, whose main um, the, the the main star of the show is Brian Cranston, who mm-hmm. was in a little show a few years ago you might have heard of called Seinfeld. That's right, he played mm-hmm. the dentist. Yeah, um, and he was in Godzilla too. He was in Godzilla. Let them fight. Um, <laughs> so, what is Your Honor? You, Brian Cranston stars as a judge confronting his convictions. When his son is involved in a hit and run in the Broyles and organized crime family, He's, he faces impossible choices and discovers how far a father will go to save his son's life. So this show opens with his son, mm-hmm. um, played by Hunter Dewan, who is um, quite pathetic, actually, a character. <laughs> uh, he's effectively pathetic. Um, visiting his mother's the place of his mother's death, uh, is chased by some kids in cars uh, and in doing so runs over the character uh, of the, uh, the son of the biggest organized crime family in New Orleans. Whoops. Uh, oops. Uh, uh, Carlo Baxter, the character's name is, he is played by Jimmy Stanton. No idea who that is. Um, and he watches him die on the side of a road. And rather than calling 911, which he does, but doesn't actually answer, say anything to him. Rather than telling him where they are and getting an ambulance, he just gets in his car and drives off. Okay. Um, so that's the setup. That's I'm spoilers here, people. It's the first ten minutes of a fucking show. Mm-hmm. Um, we are separately introduced to Brian Cranston's Michael Desiato. So mm-hmm. Hunter Dewan plays his son Adam Desiato. Um, Michael Desiato is a judge in New Orleans, and he's kind of the cool judge. Like um, he's, we sort of see him actually questioning witnesses and leaving. You know, I don't know what they call it—the big stand thing that they sit on—and walking around the courtroom a little bit and talking to witnesses and and you know, um, you know, the defendant. And he was sort of he's cool because he picks up at the uh, the defendant while probably guilty, hasn't really done anything that wrong. And mm. if they put her away, her kids won't be able to, you know, eat. Yada yada yada. So mm. this is all very early on. I'm not giving a lot away. This is not an important scene. But he tried. To, he sort of tried to build him up as the, uh, the cool judge who doesn't take things too seriously, who, you know, who's not, like, too hard on people and he understands mm. people's problems. I found that a little cheesy personally. Okay. Because um, that's not how judges are. Look, I, I'm not an expert in U.S. law. Uh, God knows I've told the story to people who know me about uh, somebody I know who was involved with the law last year 
And I subsequently had found out a lot about everything I knew about the legal system in Australia was based on law and order, none of which applies here. <laughs> so um, I don't know exactly what judges do, but I don't think they do that. Um, it does get stronger, though. So mm -hmm. the basic setup is that, that Brian Cranston finds out what his son has done mm -hmm. and then uh, says, no, we've got to hand ourselves in. You've got to hand you in. You've got to admit what you've done and take your, take your licks. While he's at the police station about to get his son to surrender himself and confess to what he's done, he notices that the key, he finds out essentially in, in a unique way who the kid he hit was. At that point, he finds out the kid is the son of Jimmy and Gina Baxter, Jimmy played by Michael Stuhlbarg, Gina Baxter played by Hope Davis, who is somebody who I do recognise. Yep. Your face, she was in American Splendor. She was in um, Captain America Civil War. She was in about Schmidt. Um, Wayward Pines is another one. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, he finds out that this kid is the son of, you know, essentially the local Al Capone. Yeah. Uh, and basically pussies out at that point in time, makes the, makes the sort of a, I guess, the risk-reward decision at that point in time that if he has his son hand himself into the police and admit that he killed this kid, his son's essentially going to be killed. His son mm. is dead anyway by at the hand of, of Jimmy Baxter. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of a setup, and that's most of our first episode. This is quite brutal in parts. I mean, it can be quite gruesome, especially in the hit-run scene. Um, the second episode is probably gets strengthened to show it a little bit, which is interesting. Quite often we have, we talked a while ago about Lovecraft Country, where I thought the yeah. pilot was extraordinarily strong and went downhill from there. Mm -hmm. This one here, I feel like the second episode's a bit of a step up, and we now enter the realm of of michael trying to clean up shall we say the okay. evidence remaining of of what um adam has done and it starts to get more complicated as more people are dragged into the web of deceit that michael is starting to weave in trying to protect his son okay uh i don't want to give too much away because it is actually quite interesting where the story goes in the second episode um, and you start to sort of see, oh, but if he does this and that happens to him and then he'll do this and then that'll come back to him and you'd be like, you can start to see this web. Um, at times, though, it's almost comical. It's not played for laughs, but like you could almost, if you, if you change the music and put a laugh track beneath it, it could always be a comedy of errors. <laughs> be like, uh oh. <laughs> if you just changed it up a little bit, but it's not played for laughs, but I found myself going, if, if this were a British show, it might have been a comedy. Yeah. A uh, dark <laughs> comedy, you know. I mean, Americans don't do dark comedy quite no, so well. No. Um, so it's good. It's not perfect. It basically is leaning. I tell you what, I hope Brian Cranston has a good chiropractor. Oh, really? He must have had a sore back from carrying a show. Um, <laughs> like, seriously, it's all about him it's just like okay we've signed brian cranston to do this fucking thing we don't need any other names or faces it's just gonna be <laughs> brian's gonna carry us uh and it's all on his charisma and just brian cranston being brian cranston he's probably not a world away from walter white here in the sense that he's playing a such a law-abiding normal character who now has to you know step into the 
the underbelly, if that makes sense, right? Mm. The, the, the underbelly of world of crime. But I guess this character has a few more connections to that than uh, Walter White did mm. and understands it a little better. But he's still very much a fish out of water in this world. Okay. It's good. It's, it's good enough. I mean, like, I'm not saying if you don't have Stan, sign up to watch it. Mm. But if you have Stan, I would recommend watching an episode or two. Check it out. It might be worth okay. your time. I'm curious to see where the show goes next. Unfortunately, it's one of those bloody annoying shows that they release one episode a week. I don't know what the, the – it's a showtime thing, I guess. I don't know. They're doing it to point. spread it out because they haven't got anything else. I guess, though, and it's also – yeah, there are pros and cons, right? And it, it was, the, the, the pro is it stretches it out for me as well, which means I'll probably be watching it for the next month and a half. Yeah. Whereas if they dumped it all at once, I probably would have watched it all at once. Yeah. So, yeah, Your Honor, pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Okay. It's okay. It's, it's, it's all right. It's good enough. Well, you took Brian Cranston out and put him, put in, I don't know, Tony Danza. I don't know, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh, I don't know. If you, anyone without, anyone of a lesser actor than Brian Cranston in that central mm. role, this might actually struggle a little bit. But, I mean, he, okay. like I said, he's he's a, he's a a giant of an actor. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a he's a talent. He's a talent. It's... I mean, we we know what he can do exactly. Um, so, all uh, right, I, I, yeah, it, it's it appeals to my. I wish there was more Breaking Bad and things. <laughs> did you ever get around to watching El Camino? I liked it. Yes, I did. I watched it when I came back from holiday last year. I thought it was pretty good. It was good, amazing. But I like what it was. I was like, it's a little bit like, you know, like I said, it's basically a direct injection into your arm of more Breaking Bad. And, you know, I mean, I always, I, I liked the character of Jesse. I mean, we spent seven seasons with Jesse. I mean, certainly he's probably not the character that Walter was. Walter was probably the more interesting character, mm. being the protagonist and antagonist at the same time. <laughs> um, but, but Jesse was still an interesting character. And while I, could have definitely lived with the final scene in, you know, with him driving off into the night and that being enough for me. I enjoyed seeing what happened to him. It wasn't bad. Jesse Plemons is a wonderful actor too. Mm -hmm. Very underrated. Mm. Okay, cool. What else? I had the pleasure of watching um, a very different kind of film for me in the weekend. Mm -hmm. I had a film. This is not something that happens often for me. I had a film chosen for me. Mm -hmm. um, I went to visit a friend and we had dinner and they said, uh, let's watch a movie. And I was like, okay. And I was a little bit like, I don't know what I'm going to get here. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I thought really hard about this and I chose a simple favor. A simple favor. Okay. Now, if they'd known me a little better, they probably wouldn't have chosen this film. <laughs> uh, Probably because of the director. The director and I, we have history. <laughs> he heard me in a really, really deep personal place. The director of this film is Paul Feig. The Paul Feig. This same Paul Feig who directed the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot. Mm -hmm. We covered yep. that. I think it's needless to say. We didn't like it. Yep. And I lost the bet. That is a film that caused me to sit through this thing along the version of Greece. And Paul mm -hmm. Feig is directly fucking responsible for that. Mm -hmm. you, yep. Paul. Yep. Um, it is his fault. 
is to a fault. Uh, he wrote that. Um, yeah. So Stephanie is a single mother with a parenting vlog who befriends Emily, a secretive upper-class woman who was a child at the same elementary school. When Emily goes missing, Stephanie takes it upon herself to investigate. This is back, unfortunately, to say I didn't hate this. This is actually decent. Okay. This is back in the space where Paul Flag plays fairly comfortably. Mm. Um, the ironic thing about him is I actually quite like some of his earlier films. I thought Bridesmaids was funny. I thought Spy was funny, despite the fact it sounded awful. I thought it sounded good. It worked. Um, he needs to stick to this kind of thing a little bit more. Um, so we have Anna Kendrick playing Stephanie in this film, and we have Blake Lively playing Emily. The other main character in this being Henry Golding, who plays Sean, who is Emily's husband. Oh, yep. Uh, not a really well-known actor, Henry Golding, but um, he's in his quite a bit. He's in Crazy Rich Asians. He's in yeah. So you'd be like, I've seen that guy in stuff, but I'm not sure where. Um, he, he was decent in this as well. So we have Anna Kendrick, who is a fairly mousy, introverted, put-upon single mother. Uh, who makes these uh, cooking vlogs, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have a lot of friends. She's not widely accepted by the other parents at the school. She's kind of an overachiever who volunteers for every possible job at mm -hmm. the school, you know, Christmas product play or whatever it is. She's she's kind of one of those annoying people. Mm -hmm. um, she meets uh, she meets Blake Lively's character, um, Emily, as it sort of says, for their sons want to go for a play date. And, you know, uh, at, the, at Emily's house, Emily has a very, very posh house. She lives with Sean, who is a doctor of some description. We never really quite learn what Blake does. It's kind of mysterious. She okay. gets very angry when photos of her are taken. And so that kind of sets up this mystery. And very early, about a third of the way through the film, she disappears. Okay. And, and Stephanie uses her vlog as a, a medium to talk about the fact that her very good friend has disappeared. And to sort of start, the film sort of goes from being a, I don't know what you call it, sort of like a, a, a lightweight comedy into very much a detective story at that point. Okay. And um, she starts to build, uh, Stephanie starts to build a relationship with Sean and they sort of work together to try and figure out what's happened to Emily. Mm -hmm. And as I sort of said, it becomes a it becomes very much a detective story at that, that point in time. Um, and, you know, the mystery sort of deepens. It's almost a... Almost an Agatha Christie esque, okay. Point. Not that good, obviously. No. Um, but you know, something like something you'd expect to see on Inspector Morse or something like that. You know, <laughs> um, double lives and so on and so forth go into it. Um, but the thing is, that it's light and fluffy, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's it good. Does, it does what it does well. Uh, I think Anna Kendrick is fun. Um, one of the things that I enjoyed about this is. The, when we see her filming her vlogs, we actually see it as if we were watching the vlog online. It's not like okay. camera, watching the camera film her. We are watching it with, like, the the, the the comments bar at the bottom and the bar on the side of the screen of her previous videos and the number of people watching and subscribers and stuff like that. There are little subtle nice things that like there are, like, 45 subscribers at the start. By the end, there's, like, hundreds of thousands and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, and you can see the comments um, sort of refreshing at the bottom of the screen, people saying things, and you can see what the videos she's made recently. There are little Easter eggs all the way through those little vlogs, and I enjoyed that. That was a nice touch. And you can also, Anna Kendrick really plays the character well in the sense you start to get a, you get a real sense of her um, growth in, in, in confidence as the 
the film progresses and we mm. becomes almost a bigger person in her hunt for for Blake Lively's um, Emily. Okay. Uh, Blake Lively is Blake Lively. She's tall, good looking, and elegant, <sighs> and a bit mysterious. So that's about all she needs to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, her costuming choices are interesting. Apparently, we're inspired by Paul Feig's costume. His uh, his outfits. Oh, he's yes, that's right. Because he's a uh, that's Man. his kind of trademark, isn't it? Yeah. And so she has these crazy outfits. And she's very interesting outfits she's wearing. So I don't often talk about costuming on the show, but it, it, it was noticeable um, that, that it was a very unusual, but interesting look. It looked like her characters had. Um, it's is like i said it doesn't start stay as welcome it is what it is it's there it's gone it's an hour 57 which is maybe a bit longer than one would like it to be but i didn't feel as i said i didn't feel it overstayed as welcome mm-hmm. um you know i i think if you like fines other work you're probably going to enjoy this one it's okay. nothing you're gonna you're gonna, it's, you're gonna forget it the minute you walk away from it but I, yeah i was pleasantly surprised to go in to see a film i'd never knew even knew existed and it was all right. Okay. That's effusive praise at its best right there. Well, we have been nothing but raving uh, greatness. 12 Years a Slave, yeah, it's good, but, you know, Beatty. Uh, the Little Monsters is awful. The Grinch is okay. The Muppets Christmas Carol is great. It's Muppets. Disney, uh, Your Honor, it's good for Brian Cranston. A simple favor. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> you know, I, I would actually recommend this to you if you were looking – one night for something mm. for you and Shay to watch, and you can't agree, watch this. Okay. I think you'll find it inoffensive. I think Shay will find it charming. Okay. It's on stand. <laughs> it's on stand, so it is it is available legally in Australia. Um, yep. And, yeah, if you're just looking for something to have on in the background while you're texting, I think this is as good as anything. Okay. Okay. Cool. Now, I was going to say that we uh, have some early thoughts on cyberpunk and uh, immortals, but uh, I'm actually getting exhausted and I've got to go. I'll give you you a a two sentence update on cyberpunk. So give me a little bit more time to play it. I'll say this much I Mm. have a seven year old exponent at the back there. Yep. I've had no bugs. None really nothing that I've noticed. But I will say this it looks like shit. On 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 the Xbone, I've seen graphics on on people with nice PCs. The reason I bought it on Xbone is I don't think this computer would handle it. This is four years old. <laughs> I don't think it would handle the new. This has the specs to handle it properly. Um, There's but, the Stickman version. So I thought, well, it'll definitely work on console. Um, give it, <laughs> um, it really is disappointing how it looks like. Mm-hmm. It just really, I mean, you can start to feel like this could be good. It probably will be good once they fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I would say GTA 5 looks better. Wow. GTA 5 has been out for, what, seven, eight years? Well, that's a that's a point of the kind of optimization um, for, you know, GTA 5 has been optimized and re-optimized, and it's, it's really, it's an impressive bit, bit of uh, design. Um, this, it, you know, there's always going to be those kind of, buggy glitchy issues with those kind of cross console games we've seen it in from uh ps3 to ps4 now we're seeing it from ps4 to ps5 and those and the xbox generations of that as well but at the same time this game has been in development for the current for the ps4 and for the xbox one for a long time it's 
I don't know why it's performing so bad unless it's just simply kind of like what happens with a lot of the switch games where it's like oh yeah we can get this running on switch it's like yeah you can but should you (laughs) instead we were Mm. so we've got to Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a bit off more than they can chew but i'll come back next week maybe Mm. with a little bit more of an in-depth on it or the actual Mm. game like i just wanted to say look if you are looking to play it I'm playing it on a very old Xbox. Mm-hmm. It's running. I'm not, I'm not getting any frame drops. I'm not getting any game-breaking glitches. Just put up the fact that it doesn't look that great. There you go. Squint your eyes. You know, <laughs> you know well, you know, I started playing games with, you know, 286s, you know, or any mm. old Atari 2600, you know, like oh, square yeah. moving around the screen, you know. Like, I really have nothing to complain I, about. I remember when Link's Awakening came out and I looked at that and said, look at those graphics. <laughs> you're like wow look at those digitized pictures of players you know like it, it, I, I, still, right. I have a very vivid memory um of playing goldeneye on n64 i was going wow they actually look like pierce brosnan like, no they don't they really no. don't <laughs> <laughs> you guys are show you, your standards do grow up a little bit but unfortunately mm. i think if they they promised the world they haven't quite delivered mm. they're handling the situation reasonably well at this point in time Mm. I, I'm hearing people, different people say maybe three to six months might be when it's before it really is mm. actually properly finished, which is disappointing. But, you know, it's still, it's okay. Yeah. I kind of wonder if, you know, this is arguably the highest profile game to come out multi-platform <sighs> since Red Dead. Two, since Red Dead I, I Two, Red Dead's another game that looks better than this. Um, yeah. I think you're probably right. I think you're I, right. I'm wondering if perhaps it's like they kind of got got through halfway through production and went, oh, you know what, this should just be on the new consoles because they're the ones that actually have the power to actually make it look good and run pretty much how we want it to, and Microsoft and Sony just kind of went, yeah, but we don't have enough consoles for those new ones to make it worthwhile please keep bringing it to these current consoles hey look maybe it would have been a fair yeah. reason not you bought the new consoles but i guess that's not really a well no one now. can buy them well that's it i mean people have bought them anyway the playstation 5 we've said before at least that's got games um uh the, the xbox series x doesn't have anything at the moment it needs you no reason to buy it i don't know why people are buying it um There's no reason so- to buy any of them yet and, you know, there was a, a, f- a few shipments and no one's going to get anything until like April or something. So yeah, kind of I'm, Nintendo are going to clean up because it's going to be the only console that c- people can buy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're releasing, yeah, I mean, new games for it. Um, yeah. Anyway, you are a retired man. Mm. We, we need you to get healing so we can um, we can get you. Um, Bring on whatever and- life throws at me next. <laughs> exactly. It'll be a curveball for sure. That's what it's good at. Is there, is there's another... Make it a nice one. Make it a nice one. 15 days to 2020 to go. So, like, you know, Woo. don't take your eye off them all. Um, <laughs> but we'll be back next week, and we'll be talking about Widows, which you'll be mm. interested because I don't know a lot about this. So no, I'm curious. me neither. And um, um, we will both have um, – I will be uh, talking a little bit more about uh, Ubisoft's Immortals, Phoenix Rising, I think, is the full title. Um, that's playing that on Switch so far enjoyable um i'm sure travis will have some more cyberpunk and um whatever else catches our attention in the next week it, it will we will have him i will almost certainly be able to talk about the stand because that premieres in the states in a couple of days yes 
I would like you to actually get around to watching Palm Springs as well. And give me your thoughts if on I that. Have time, I, if I have time, I, I, I will try. You know, I'm, I'm doing things. I'm going places. You know, you're, 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 you're a busy man. I understand. That. I, I appreciate I, you fit, fitting me into the timetable. You know, you know, there's, there's a new film, so I'm doing. So, you know. <laughs> On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening on Podcast Services, which the last two episodes are up finally. I actually managed to get my computer to do what it's supposed to do. Um, Hopefully in the new year, I'll be able to actually buy a new computer and get that a little bit better. Um, Until next time.